Thank you so much. It's so good um, to be with you this morning. I've come with my daughter Poppy and my good friend Donovan, and uh, we've come over from Leeds. Uh, I have the joy of uh, being involved in Gateway Church Leeds, and we're part of the Christ Central family with you guys, and we love just partnering with you for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus. And uh, we loved even last Saturday just partnering with you uh, to put on an event for young people across Yorkshire uh, with Mike Pellavarchi um, coming up. And uh, three young people gave their lives to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Um, and even at that event, apparently, uh, uh, kind of reading through the messages, there was a word of knowledge brought, which is kind of where God speaks to someone about something about a young person having a knife in their bag, which is slightly concerning. Um, <laughs> but this person said, actually, that's me, and, and the knife was dealt with, and that person came to faith because he knew that God wanted to meet with that person. Isn't that wonderful? To partner together, to do things, to see Jesus come and transform lives, like he's been doing today. What a joy to see um, baptisms among you, to see what God is doing. So, so good. I wondered if we could start by having a bit of fun. Is everyone up for a bit of fun? Please don't take this too seriously, but it's a bit of a fun, a way to kind of introduce what I'd love to talk about today. And um, here is a crisp 20-pound note, okay? And I want to start an auction for this 20-pound note, okay? And the auction, it will operate like any normal auction. Uh, You'll just bid for this 20-pound note. Bidding will start at a pound. However, this auction will just be slightly different, just slightly different. Uh, Basically, what will happen is the first, the person who who bids the highest will, of course, win the £20. But unfortunately, the person who comes second, who bids the second highest amount, will still need to pay. Okay? So, start the bidding. Genuinely, we'll start the bidding at a pound. Who will give me a pound for this £20 note? A pound. Thank you, lady. Anyone else? Two pound, thank you. Three pound, four pound. Hands raising, anyone higher than four? Five, six, seven. Any advance on seven? Eight, nine, ten. Any advance on ten? <laughs> no, no, chocolate's not allowed. I'm not having that. Normally I would. But, uh, Eleven, twelve. Thirteen, fourteen. Fifteen. Any advance on 15? 16. Will you go to 17, sir? 17. 17. 17. That's pretty good. Any advance on 17? Any advance on 17? 18. 19. Any advance on 19? 20. I'm going to stop the auction there. I'll be generous. I'll give it to the man who said 19. We'll give it to you for 19. Um, did you see what would happen there if I actually followed that through? I would have had £20 off him and £19 off him. I would have more than doubled my money. And um, I read about this in a book, and um, this firm, they use this to um, help us understand our non-rational escalation of commitment. Basically, that often in life, as humans, we are stupid. Now, <laughs> um, if I was sitting where you were, I would have bid for that £20 as well. I would have been straight in because I wouldn't have properly thought it through. This company that does this says that it's very common to have final bids in the $30 to $70, the US firm, $30 to $70 range. And our most successful auction sold a $20 doll 
$20 bill, not a doll, for $407. In total, they say, we have earned over $10,000 running these auctioning classes over the last four years. And, and this is, you know, bankers, consultants, professors, partners in big six firms, lawyers, they get sucked in. Now, why have I used this as an analogy? Well, because the world holds up 20 pounds for us. And it gets us to invest our lives in things that it promises. And ultimately, though, what they turn out to be is a trap. A trap. And the Bible gives us so much to help us make good decisions. Does anyone here want to improve their decision making this morning? Hopefully by the end of today, you will be improved. Thank you to the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in this book, and chapters 10 to 29 consist of lots of short sayings summarizing important lessons, hence proverb. Pro meaning instead of, and verb meaning word. So instead of lots of words, proverbs kind of put some things in short summary for us. We have lots in our own culture. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You heard that one? Don't cry over spilt milk. Um, But this, in Proverbs, is not just good advice, it's God's advice for our life. A quick, short safety briefing before we start uh, our journey, and we've got these uh, safety briefing points up on the screen. Number one, it's a leadership book. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, the, the 39 books that come before Jesus, Proverbs is a leadership book. So it kind of comes with a PG-12 rating, some of it. It was written primarily at the time for the male elite leaders. And so there are kind of some things that appeal specifically to young men, um, but it's not just for guys. It's definitely uh, for men and women. Indeed, the end of the book ends with a mum telling her son what type of uh, woman um, uh, that he should uh, marry. And number two, it's a probability book. It's a probability book. So in the safety briefing before going into Proverbs, it's important to know that it's a probability book. Um, So here's a classic example, Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says this, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, did anyone here have a good upbringing and turn out bad, or did anyone here have a bad upbringing and turn out good? I'm sure we could find some exceptions to this rule. So Proverbs is more of a probability book than a promise book. Does that make sense? It helps inform, actually, normally if you do this, the probability is this will happen. But it's not a promise book. Number three, it's a thinking book. It's a thinking book. You can read the book of Proverbs in two hours or less. I'd recommend it. It's great to do. But really, Proverbs comes alive as a book for us when we engage with it slowly and think through it carefully. Let me explain. Proverbs 26, verse Four says this, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will be just like him. Okay, if someone says something stupid, don't, don't get engaged in that stupidity, just ignore it. But then, Proverbs 26 verse 5 says this, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes, as in show him his stupidity by engaging with him. If it will, which one is it? Um, Proverbs, and that's the whole point of Proverbs. It's not 
here's what to do. It's here's something to think about in your life. Does that make sense? It's a probability book. It's a, it's a leadership book, and it's a, a thinking book. In fact, we need wisdom to use the wisdom within it. Proverbs uh, uh, 26 says this, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. <laughs> so um, it, if you kind of just pick out a random proverb and use it, don't think you're wise. It needs wisdom to use the wisdom within it. So with all that in mind, with our safety briefing done, you can plug in your seatbelt and you can get ready now for the couple of verses that we're going to look at. And you may well have seen them on a fridge magnet before. Can anyone guess what verse I'm going to go for? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So we can break this down into four kind of steps, if you like. And step number one would be trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. What is the writer of Proverbs getting at with this statement? Well, we're talking about decisions, and when it comes to making decisions... Psychologists will say we can tend to fit into one of two camps, and I wonder this morning which camp you would fit in, or if you're watching at home, which camp you would fit into uh, this morning. They, they would say that we tend to be either maximizers or satisficers. So you're making a decision, you tend to either be a maximizer or a satisficer. A maximizer wants to make it perfect. So if you have a decision to make, you're going to think everything through and you're going to make the perfect decision. Although often when you've made that decision, you'll look back and think, oh, was that really the right decision? A maximizer. Or you might be more of a satisficer, which is kind of, oh, it's good enough. You might not read the full menu in the restaurant. You'll just see what other people pick and think, oh, yeah, I'm all of that, actually. That looks nice. But the maximizer is like, how, how can you do that? I need to study everything in this restaurant. And uh, as a general rule, they say in life that maximizers do better, but feel worse. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if any maximizers um, can uh, concur with that. Um, and uh, maximizers tend to be a bit worried. Have I made the right decision? You can suffer from paralysis from analysis. You, you don't do anything because you just want to think everything through. Or if you're more of a satisfier, you, you think, oh, I've just been a bit lucky. I've just made a few good decisions, you know. And uh, there can be a sense of kind of cockiness, arrogance with that. This in a half an hour, I've completely changed my mind. I was so glad when I stumbled across Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17, if we could get that up. In a lawsuit, the first until someone comes forward and cross-examines. So true, isn't it? There are always two sides to a story. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs wants us to see here that what's true in the courtroom is true in much of life. We often make rash judgments. Yeah, I'm staring at you and me 
the satisfices. <laughs> we often make very rash judgments. We don't think things through. And Proverbs wants us to not lean on your own understanding. Has anyone had that really embarrassing moment when you sit on a chair and it just crashes under your weight? That happened to me this summer at my mum's house. I fully lent on something that could not fully hold me. Do not lean on your own understanding. Yes, use your own understanding, but don't completely, ultimately rely upon it. Because you can be wrong. You can be wrong. And so we should test our understanding when we're making a decision. Proverbs 19 verse 2. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who makes haste with his feet errs. I don't know if you've heard of the, the phrase devil's advocate before. And I didn't used to like that phrase because I don't want to be a friend of the devil. Um, but looking into the history of it, it actually comes from the Catholic Church, which we've all come from ultimately. And when they wanted to bring someone forward to kind of uh, give them a sainthood canonization in the Catholic Church, there would be this official role of the devil's advocate. And this person, he was on the guy's team, he was his friend, but he would come with every reason why this person shouldn't be sainted or canonized and, uh, and bring the kind of challenge. And so, whether you like the phrase or not, it doesn't really matter, but the idea is that actually we can test our own decisions. I'm not just talking about what sandwich you have for lunch, but <laughs> what church you go to, some students looking at what church. Test your understanding. Oh, I'm going to go here because they've got the best band. Well, let's just test that thinking. Let's think that through. Oh, I'm going to go for this job. Well, why don't you just stop and, and have a think? What would that look like in a couple of years? I'm going to marry this person. Why don't, you, why don't you test some of your own understanding? Why don't you play devil's advocate a bit and say, well, actually, maybe if I didn't, what would happen? Do not lean on your own understanding. This is where counsel, being part of a local church, is critical. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The wise listen to advice. And we must be careful to know the difference between selling and sharing. You know this one? I have friends who come to me and they sell me an idea or a decision they want to make rather than sharing a decision they want to make. So they come to me and say, I'm going to do this, 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 this. What do you think? Well, I don't know if you actually really are interested in what I think. I think you've just sold me what you're doing. Why don't you instead, or why don't I instead share what I'm thinking of doing? And I genuinely want your input. What do you think? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Use it, but don't ultimately and completely rely on it. In all your ways, the third part of this verse, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. I came across some prayers by kids the other day, and I'm sure none of our kids would pray any of these prayers. Uh, but here are some prayers from kids. Would you like to hear them? Please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. <laughs> please forgive me for hiding my sister's favorite doll, and please don't tell her where it is. <laughs> Dear God, 
I need you to make my mum not allergic to cats. I really want a cat, and I really don't want to ask my mum to move out. <laughs> Now, we can laugh at the stupidity and the, the, the kind of craziness of these prayers, but I wonder, actually, if we were to scrutinize some of our prayers, they would be very, very similar. God, I'm going to make this really stupid decision, and I need you to back me on it, okay? <laughs> And when it comes to acknowledge him, we might think, oh, that just means acknowledge God, doesn't it? I'm doing this, God. God, just, yeah, acknowledge, acknowledge the God bit. Yeah, right, and carry on doing what I want to do. Thank you. No, no, acknowledge means to know. It's in the word, know. It's to be aware of God. It's to have fellowship with him. It's to submit to him. It's to know what he thinks about matters, to, to understand his heart on matters through his word, through his community and through his spirit. It's to know, oh, I'm going to acknowledge you, Father. Actually, this, that, that isn't where you're directing me in my life. Gosh, you want me to go down this path? It's to acknowledge him. It's to submit to his ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will make your paths straight. The last three things have been our work, haven't they? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And then comes the fourth. He will make your path straight. Remember, this is a, a probability book rather than a promise book. And the context of the verses are actually about health and wealth. And so we need to be careful. Um, but the word says he will make your path straight. And some of what we've been speaking about earlier and, and, and singing about actually is that God is good and, and he cares about your life. And he wants to steer you into what he wants. And sometimes that means actually more pain, more inconvenience, more suffering, less pay, less prominence, but it's his will for your life. And it's his good, his perfect, pleasing will for your life. But sometimes it, it means some of those things, some of those 20 pounds do come into our lives, if you like. But God gives us the grace to handle them well and to not pursue them and not get caught in the worldly traps. But either way, ultimately, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because if you're anything like me, reading through these three things, you think, gosh, I haven't done very good at that. I haven't really trusted that well. I haven't really lent, um, not lent on my own understanding, and I haven't really done a great job at acknowledging him in more ways. But here's where the grace comes. You know, Solomon, he, he wrote this. He made many, many failures. But he could write this because he knew the grace of God. And what he couldn't fully see was that actually God was going to make the only path straight that ultimately completely matters, and that's the path to the Father. And who did that? Father God who sent his son Jesus, who, wrote, who walked the path for us that we deserve, the wrath of God upon his shoulders, so that we could have a very straight path to Father God, a very straight path. Isn't it wonderful? The path is called Jesus, and we walk to the Father through him. 